Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Today on SNTR Presents. And today we're talking about the gear system info that's really important before you dive into Outriders. And at the end of this podcast will be my 10-minute talk where I break down everything that was put on Reddit. Some of the developers actually went there and put some extensive information about armor and some of the other systems with the world tiers as well as the challenge tiers. If you're listening to this or watching this in any of the other locations, you can always catch me live at sntrlive.com. sntrlive.com is the greatest way to interact with these things live. We do polls back and forth and the like. And I asked people this morning, so the poll that I'll be combing through this morning and reading responses to is Outriders release. How important is the gear system and why? Now, obviously, we knew a lot of people were going to say that the gear system was very important. So 85% of our 400 votes right now are saying it's very important. So the overwhelming majority is saying it's very important. I kind of knew that that was going to be the case. I'm more interested in why is it important to you, and we're going to be reading those re- through those responses now, as well as reading in the live chat. So if you're in the live chat, continue to, to, to kind of go back and forth and maybe put some of your argumentation in the chat. Joy B. Plan said, The gear system is what will keep me playing and grinding for that loot. Uh, same Outriders loot is dope. I think the loot is obviously the center stage. Now, this is one of the things that was that was to me was strange in all the years that I've covered loot-based games. I would run into people that would say they don't care about the loot, they just wanted to play, they just wanted to play the story, have the experience, and that was really all that mattered to them. In general, I think that those players are in the minority, and you can kind of see that even from this this poll response 7% said that the gear system is somewhat important and 7% said not at all so there's this small minority of 14% of the players that have taken this poll just this morning that are like eh you know the, the gear system yeah, I'm not really paying any attention to it and to be quite honest this is one of the reasons that games like this it's so important to make their gear systems and their UI and their menus very very uh, procedurally informational, if, if, that, if that's a term I can use. And what I mean by that is, if you want lots more information, if you want a min-max, if you want the stats, if you want this to complement that, and you want this over here to complement this, that's all there for you. It's there in the menus, it's got the information, the mods, the stats. A lot of people are chasing green arrows. That's all that matters to them. Is it new? Cool. Is it blue? Is it purple? Like, what's the value? And do I get green arrows? Is my damage going up? Is my number going up? There are a lot of people, that's all that matters to them. So when I ask a question like this, and I'm like, how important is the gear system to you? There are a lot of folks that are sort of like, I'm not really going to check on that. I'm not really going to deep dive into the gear system. I'm just going to pick loot up and use it. And to be quite honest, People like that are awesome. You want them in your player pool. You want them playing your game. Why? Oh, they're easy to please, man. Throw loot at them, make them feel cool, give them some cool abilities, and they're happy. They're good. They're good to go. They don't need to have all this information. They don't need these elaborate systems of min-maxing and combing over this and combing over that. That's just that's not something that they're focused on. And so I actually think that this representation on this poll here is what I sort of anticipated is around a 10% of the community or the people taking the poll saying, it just isn't really a big priority for me. There are a lot of folks, I think, that feel that way. Now, here's the thing. This is a poll that we're taking on YouTube. 
and people that watch YouTube and consume content in this way and leave comments and take polls, you're generally in a more committed bracket of player pool. Right? You play you play these games more often, you dive into these games, you watch these videos, you look for the breakdowns, you want the information. You're not necessarily in the casual camp. You're not in the camp of players that are gonna shrug off a gear system. So I wager to say the people that don't consume YouTube, Reddit, forums, Twitter, whatever, and they just dive in and check the game out day one, I bet you if you pulled them, the results here would be dramatically different. A lot of them would say, nah, I don't really care about that. I just want to get some cool stuff. I just want to do looties and shooties. That's all that matters to me is just looties and shooties. Nothing else. I'm not looking at anything else. I'm not checking stats. I'm not doing any of that. So, next response to the poll from Krebsy Gaming says, in games, your gear and abilities are the first line of engagement. The acquisition of gear needs to be fun and rerunnable, aka content loop. Uh, Outriders Endgame is also a huge factor here. There's a huge element of the loot system and the world tiers and the challenge tiers being interwoven. Now, the important information that I have for you about that is going to be at the end of this little session that we're doing right now. That information with regard to just how high can gear score go in a world tier up to 15, and then what's the overlap with challenge tiers? I thought it was a clean handoff. I thought it was a, you get to this level and then you just jump into expeditions. There's actually quite a bit of overlap and we're going to be breaking that down in, you know, I don't know, 45 minutes or so when we're done with this segment. So if you're here and you're wanting that information, be sure to stick around. We're going to be breaking that down. The information was extremely helpful on Reddit. It gives a very clear, I've got a graph. It's got nice colors on it, right? It was news to me. And I've been covering the game. I did a whole video on the end game. And again, I didn't go and freeze frame those videos to pick up on exactly how some of the world tier challenge tier gear capping works. And I think it's very, very helpful information. And so as you're saying, rerunnable, the content loop, this is going to be a huge element of that. Like, how long are you going to hang out in the world tiers before going over to the expeditions and the challenge tiers? How long is that going to be something that you engage with before you feel strong enough to go up? I'm probably going to start with Devastator because we're going to start on the console in the morning on this channel. So there will be gameplay here tomorrow. And then when I switch over to the PC, I'm going to probably do the Trickster. Trickster was my favorite uh, from the demo, but the Devastator is just really, really easy, silly, fun. And so we're going to start with the Devastator on console. Bada responding to the poll here. If you guys haven't taken our poll yet, please do so. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love that direct feedback. And we're super close to 700 likes, so be sure to smash the like button. We only need about 30 more. Bada says, The gear and loot is about the only thing that matters to me in this game. I hear that Outriders release is a huge draw for looters. For people that just want loot, Outriders is a huge draw. And when you say the gear and loot's kind of the only thing that matters, it's funny because that doesn't necessarily mean you care about the gear system. You could love playing looters and never really look into the looting system. And I'm going to give you a very personal example from my own life. When I played Borderlands 1 and 2, I had no idea that you could farm for an item and farm for a specific version of of the item. Now I knew with the shields you could get 
higher or lower results on some of the stats but I had no idea what weapon parts meant if you looked at the weapons and kind of looked at the grip and the scope and the barrel and all of that I had no idea that was a thing in Borderlands 2 that loot system is actually pretty elaborate once you start looking at it I didn't know that all I cared about was getting cool loot let's kill this boss over and over again, I hear he drops legendaries. I hear he did the, the yellow goldish loot, right? I hear he drops legendaries. Let's farm this guy. So I was a surface level sort of loot novice. I did not understand the loot system of Borderlands, and yet it was the primary driver of my engagement. It was it was the main thing that I cared about and interacted with. And so if 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 you fall into that camp, you may totally shrug at not care about or not look into the loot system of a game because you're like what does it matter there's pretty things dropping on the ground i use them and they go boom like that's all i'm looking for and generally speaking that's all i cared about in borderlands i just i wanted strong stuff and i knew it was strong because i shot enemies with it and i loved running a salvador and i loved getting really really good weapons to keep him kind of going keep his keep his gun zerking going and that was all that mattered to me I didn't learn about stats and 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 barrel and this and and grip that and none of that. I didn't know any of that until I started streaming and got exposed to that community that pointed those things out to me. And so it's this is one of the reasons why when you know we started this little segment today, I said, you know, a lot of the times one of the most important things for a game like this is for the UI to be procedurally informational. Like just give me the information surface level and if I want to go beneath it that should be there but if I don't want to go beneath it then I don't care I guarantee you there's people that play Diablo this way they play Borderlands this way all they care about is uh, is looking for those green arrows that's all that matters is it stronger is it better is the level higher is the color better like that's all they care about red demon eyes I want my grind to feel worthwhile same 100% same Lord Rain responded to the poll. If you guys haven't done so yet, we want to hear from you. Lord Rain says, uh, very, it's very important. The, the, the gear system is very important to Lord Rain. I like to become strong out of something I came up with and is mine. Uh, Outriders Crafting will give you that option. There is going to be that option for you as far as build crafting, crafting, modifying weapons, using weapon mods, and the like. You are going to have that ability uh, in, in within your grasp. You're going to have that customization within your grasp. It's this is this is where the the depth uh, the depth behind the base grind is something that's going to be very important for a lot of people because one of the reasons that I started to sort of fall out of love with like a basic shooter campaign was because there was no difference between your experience and my experience. We were using the same weapons, we were killing the same enemies, we were walking on the same sort of predetermined path, and it was hard to care. It was like, what did you think of the campaign? I, I don't know, it was fine. I had the exact same experience that you did. You know, we, 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 we shot the same enemies. We did, we, we, we did the same thing, you know? And so, in a game like this... This is why, if you guys remember Destiny 2 Vanilla with static rolls, that was one of the reasons that was such a fail, because people were like, well, there's no difference between any of us now. 
armor is the same as the armor that the guys next to me is wearing guns are the same as the guns next to there was it was almost as if you were just sort of going through the motions and picking things up and collecting them there was no there was sort of no you there's no fingerprints of your thoughts your desires your decisions nothing was you weren't present in the game so if you've ever played those classic games in the arcade where everything is done for you and you're just kind of holding a gun the game moves for you it's called an on-rails shooter basically those games are not a game that you're going to play if you really really want to have this sense of agency decision making and freedom because it is essentially the antithesis of player agency and freedom it's 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 you don't have freedom right it's one of those things where it's like if if you're if you're going to go and you're going to play that game you know what you're signing up for you're signing up for a game that's likely not going to give you this this strong sense of freedom and and choice because everything's sort of done for you and it can start to feel like that in a game that's just sort of giving you a weapon and the guy next to you a weapon and you're all you're all using the same stuff right the loot is on rails if that makes sense you don't want the loot to feel you don't want the loot to feel like it's it's on rails like you're just getting something that's sort of predicted right uh the, the, the way the way that loot needs to feel is it needs to feel pursuable but it also needs to feel as if you're making a decision with respect to what you're using why you're using it and how it's part of your build so aqua without a good gear system I feel the end game when chasing loot will cause a lack of interest with chasing gear um agreed agreed um outriders end game has a lot of layers if you when you look at the graph with me here in a little bit we're gonna be looking at the graph and how the world tiers and the challenge tiers how they overlap i think you're gonna start to see that like that system as you're saying you'll just lose a lack of interest in chasing gear in the end system with without something like that in place there has to be this sense of upward trajectory um you know upward trajectory upward movement a sense of power fantasy a sense of growth I think these are all these are all elements to a game like this that are in some respects required. It, with without a system like that, you're going to essentially feel like you're spinning your wheels. One of the single greatest challenges for games like this is having a meaningful end game. How can you have a meaningful end game if the end game is essentially running in a circle on the same bicycle that you've had, you know, since level 30 or whatever there has to be this sense of upward movement I have I have always called it a spiral staircase what it should look like is if you've ever seen the Wizard of Oz it should look like a twister okay it should look like a twister so as you're going up the spiral staircase it should get broader and broader and broader and broader and bigger why you have more things at your disposal more abilities more gear more guns more things you can do at the at the bottom of that twister at the bottom of that spiral staircase you're sort of dialing in very basic decision making shoot the bad guys do lots of damage use the new gun and armor it's a better color it's stronger right and that starts to expand. So then you go up and you're like, okay, world tier 10. All right, okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay, I get it. I got to take care of myself. I got to maybe have complimentary perks and abilities. Maybe something with life leech. Maybe something with this, with that. 
And as you go up, that spiral staircase should get bigger and broader because you're, as I say in other videos, you're gearing up to go up, right? You are, you are gearing up to go up. So what you're doing at this level of the spiral staircase is so you can go to the next level of the spiral staircase. Now, eventually that spiral staircase runs out of stairs you're gonna run out of stairs that's totally fine if you accept that reality when you get there it's not so it's not so jolting and infuriating right keep in mind you can go up this spiral staircase with multiple classes because there's four classes to choose from and when you do that you look behind and you say man remember when i thought tier level 10 was tough remember when we thought challenge level 4 was tough like you have a sense of progress growth power you're better you're stronger you understand more of the game you understand more of your build you finally got a drop to finish your build or make your build better make your build stronger that's why i've always felt raids belonged at the end of a season rather than the beginning right it's 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 super truncated it's 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 not a proper use of that content it's a marketing tool they use that content as a marketing tool it's a disrespect of the work that goes into those into those raids Every time you give the spiral staircase analogy, I think of the spiral staircase in Ocarina of Time on my way to fight Ganon for the first time. <laughs> in in any case, ultimately, that's what this game and games like it should aspire to achieve. Is a spiral staircase. And in the reason that this works, there are players who are happy to get to like the third spiral or fourth and they're good. They're like, this was fun. I got a lot of dope stuff. I'm going to move on to another class. And they kind of do the same thing. Wherever you decide to sort of stop, your level of satisfaction is appropriate because that was your desire, your drive, your passion, your tenacity, your sense of being a hardcore player or a collection or a min-maxer, where, wherever you are, right, on that on that spectrum you're going to feel a sense of satisfaction because that's what you set your sights on or that's what you found to be satisfactory. There are going to be people that play Outriders, give it a good review, and set the game down before April is done. They're going to set the game down and be like, that was fun, and they'll never touch a challenge tier. They'll never go all the way up to the tippity top, and they'll they'll be completely happy with their experience. How do I know this? Because there are millions upon millions of people that have played Destiny and never touched a raid. They've played Division and they've never touched a raid. They've played Diablo and they've never gone up to the highest level of difficulty in the rifts. There are plenty of people. Plenty of people. With 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 that mentality, right? I just watched a quick video of Endgame. From a stream with early access, I don't see Lona being happy with the game for long. No cool graphics, mechanics, or music. Uh, cast ability, shoot next. Well, nobody's in the end game yet, homie. Like, there's no way people are already running expeditions and high and challenged here. So, might be a little early on that on that presumption. Now, the thing is, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to plant my flag in this game and become an Outrider streamer. I'm going to cover it. I'm going to do everything I can to get to the end, break down the loot, break down the loot system, the content loop, the end game, all of it, right? So, Manny Small says, for longevity and replayability, it's very important. I really hope the end game supports it. Uh, Outriders end game info looked 
promising to me. I thought the Outriders Endgame info actually looked uh, promising. I thought it looked promising. Um, a streamer did Expedition 15 solo. Really? That's interesting. Um, that doesn't sound... <laughs> I just got done typing in the sentence that the Endgame info looks promising. Uh, a few of them are at the Endgame. They got their keys a few days ago. Oh, they played off stream. Make, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um... Well, I mean, that's one of the dilemmas with early access, right? Is the press can the press wants to be able to review stuff before everybody else, and they're they're given that luxury when they can know life the game for thirty six hours before it even launches. Um, this has been an industry struggle for a really really long time, which is why I created a business structure that doesn't rely on favors from developers. Our value in our show is more built on discussion, dialogue, and breaking down gaming news, not ravenously getting early access and combing over a game faster than it's probably uh, designed to be played. So I've always found that to be frustrating. It's always been a bit of a bummer that games have that happen. Uh, I remember when people were playing Borderlands 3 like a month before it even came out. And I remember being kind of annoyed by that. But then I remembered it was like, I built a business structure as a content creator that doesn't rely on that crap. I don't have to scrounge for favors and beg for codes and get angry when I don't get one. Um, you know what I mean? That's that. That's something that frustrates lots of content creators and YouTubers and streamers because they've not created a value in and of themselves and in and of their content. Um, they've they've created value that is dependent upon others in the industry to give them favors, raid them, host them, show them love, and I don't know. I've I've never I've never been that I've never been dependent upon that and so I could probably count on one hand how many games I've gotten early access to and it never did anything for me anyway so it just wasn't what I built my stream on. Uh, Simus says it's a looter shooter so the most important part is loot. Outriders loot is the driver. Uh, Outriders loot is the driver. I think if if you're gonna go for a game like this, that's the driver. I, I can't see people, even the people that play this game more casually, even the people that play this game more with, with more of a laissez-faire attitude are likely to, to, to care about the loot. By the way, if you're new and you're tuning in, this is something we do every single day. It's about a four-hour stream, Monday through Friday. It's an interactive podcast called SNTR Presents. We're breaking down the Outriders gear system info. You want to know this stuff before launch date tomorrow. I'm going to be combing through that in just a moment. Right now, I'm combing through your responses. The audience has taken a poll and left remarks. I'm combing through that. So use the poll command and let me know what you think. How important is the gear system? How important is the gear system to you when playing a game like Outriders? A $5 tip from Sean, that's it, says, I think people need to remember that this is not meant to be an ongoing game. A thorough one, yes, but a complete package at launch is not meant to be for forever. Yeah, agreed. So, when you play tomorrow, can you go slow so we don't get too many spoilers, like really slow? What, like, slow motion slow? All right, guys, I'm going to go over there. Like, I barely move my character. Human type person responded to the poll and said, it's a looter. Of course, the gear systems are important. Uh, Outriders gear system has me hopeful. Mainly, my hope comes in two ways. I'm hopeful about the gear system because it looks like they were thoughtful about people that might not want to play super duper hardcore. There are people that are going to fall into that camp. 
there are also people that are going to fall into the camp that are going to want to min-max. And I think both types of players are incredibly important. And the way they've built it, it seems to me that they've taken... Uh, They've taken a lot of uh, insight from other games that have attempted to do this. So if you look at a game like Anthem, and one of the main problems, uh, one of the main problems is that Anthem wasn't even built for hardcore players. And yet, right? And yet, they essentially built it as if it was for hardcore players. Does that make sense? So, essentially what An- what what happened with Anthem is they built a game that for all intents and purposes, it had all of the moving parts of a hardcore loot grind. It had all the moving parts of a hardcore loot grind. And yet, it wasn't built for that. It was built for like a casual loot grind. It was built for casual players, which is ridiculously weird and confusing. So if you went and played Anthem as a casual player and you got, you know, your Colossus all the way leveled up and the next character all the way leveled up and blah, 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 blah. You got them all the way leveled up and you played for two or three weeks. You probably had a great time. But everything they built for Anthem wasn't built for a casual player. Like percentages and uh, world tiers of difficulty and the inscriptions. All of it was on the surface essentially like things that would promote hardcore player like a hardcore sentimentality it's almost like oh man look at that bike that looks like a really sharp mountain bike oh it looks amazing and then you get on it and it's like this is a toy it's made out of plastic it's this is this is made for a kid what is this right on the surface you look at it and you think woo that's a nice mountain bike I've been wanting to get a new one. I've been wanting to upgrade, and that thing looks impressive. Look at the—I don't know any of the terms to use, but a but a but a cycling aficionado would look at the bike and see all of the visual cues of a really good mountain bike, and then they'd go and sit on it and be like, "Who made this? Is this is this made from parts of a Nerf gun? What is this? Oh my gosh! It's cheap. It's gonna break. You take it out, and it breaks because it's not built for like." true sustained like jolting and the and the ups and downs and the drops and the and the rocks and the and the rough terrain it's not built for that breaks and so when you looked at anthem it was like on the surface you're like there's so much here for a hardcore grinder there's all these world tiers there's all this loot and then once you got on the bike and tried to ride it you're like what in the frick is this what is this? Yeah, 200% sniper damage on a pistol. Like, the inscription system was so broken. Was so broken. And when I look at when I look at Outriders, I, I, I'm seeing a similar setup, but the information that was gleaned that I'm going to outline for you guys from Reddit, it gave me hope that, okay, they were smart about people that are here, people that are here, people that are here. Like, as you move along the spectrum of player... I feel the system they came up with is going to be satisfying to that spectrum of player, which is actually really, really difficult to do. What you're saying is Anthem was the chocolate sculpture of the video game industry? I mean, I don't know if that's the analogy I would use. I know you guys like when I do food analogies. To me, I thought the bike analogy was better because it just it didn't have the durability and the endurance to sustain a hardcore cyclist. 
Like, it didn't have it. It broke down the minute somebody played it in a hardcore way. If you would have ridden that bike around your neighborhood, wee, it's cool and shiny, it'd have been fine. The bike would have been totally fine. Flat surfaces, no off-road terrain, no rocks, no drops, no jumps. You're good to go, right? And that's what Anthem was. Anthem one, Anthem was basically a mountain bike that you could only drive right around your neighborhood or you were going to break it. That's essentially what it was. Uh, Ghostwood says, It's extremely important. Looter shooters are driven by the need and the desire to chase the next pair of, quote, magic boots. It's crucial for players to be able to effectively and efficiently number crunch their gear for min-max. If the process becomes frustrating, players will become fatigued and engagement numbers will decline. Uh, decline, sorry. Outriders release is likely targeting both types of player. I think that's one of the things they're really focused on. Right? I think that's one of the things they're really focused on. Is the idea... Um... The idea being that you're... You're going to be able to play it day one as whatever type of player that you're looking for. Whatever whatever type of player uh, that you, that you want to see, right? Um, so, oh, that's cool. I've never, I'd never, I'd never heard of, uh, of Ginger Prime, but it looks like, yeah, he's got 31,000 subs. Oh, he's attached to the work to game for guys. Those guys are really cool. They stopped by and were very, uh, were very kind the other day. So it looks like they decided to throw their hat in the ring and cover the, uh, the, the whole say no to rage situation is insane. Um, Oh, it's him. It's the guy. He, I, he, I believe he's the one. I think he wrote me a very nice email recently. He's a very nice guy. Uh, so it looks like Ginger Prime has made a video. Um, I'm fairly certain he was the one who recently emailed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he uses his real first name in the video, so I'm, um, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, so, um, yeah. That's cool. I've not watched the video yet. It looks like it just went up. Um, so, uh, yeah, we love to see more people covering uh, more people covering the game. That is, uh, that's always good to see. Ginger Prime is cool. He does a lot of Final Fantasy content. Yeah, when I typed Ginger Prime into the YouTube, that was one of the suggested uh, search terms. Was uh, Ginger Prime Final Fantasy? Mm-hmm. FFXIV was the was the predicted thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, very important because it makes the game much more fun to grind and find class builds agreed that's a huge depth depth requirement of a game like this gearing in these types of games is fun it's the whole reason why you log in to tinker around with new builds that's from R. David Smith um, yep that's what gives Outriders some potential longevity now I want to be careful with how I phrase this right Outriders has potential longevity it has potential longevity and the when I say potential you have to understand it's not a live service game it's not a live service game it is a game that is going to be one that you play and you hit your you hit your you know you hit your 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 max you hit your your saturation and then you're gonna be like okay I'm kind of done it's not a game that in two or three months they're gonna be like hey new stuff right new stuff that's not that's not their goal. I can't stop looking at your shirt. I now have like four or five shirts in my cart from 80s tees. Hey, if you use the shirt command, this is one of two Mortal Kombat shirts that I got. All right, 
I, I, I was never a huge fan of Mortal Kombat. I always played it with my friends, but I could not pass up a dope all-over print shirt. It even has uh, artwork on the back that's different than the artwork on the front. Uh, use the shirt command, and remember, 80stees.com. Always use code LONO to get 30% off. Pilks UK responded to the poll. Loot and the perks is what adds to the gameplay variety and is very fun and important. Um, Outriders classes also plays a huge role. The Outrider classes, the the classes in Outriders plays a huge role here because you're going to get different builds and pieces of armor and guns that complement your abilities. And I think this is a huge, huge factor in the grind. It's a huge factor in the grind because... When, when I'm playing a game like this and I play as a Devastator for, let's say I play for, for eight hours, or like what we're going to do on, uh, what we're going to do on tomorrow. and play for four hours as a Devastator. When I switch to another character, one of the most fun things that starts to happen is you feel your sense, you, you feel yourself sort of leaning into that character, leaning into that class. Alright? And so... When that happens, you either start to like or enjoy or fall in love with that character, that class, or you don't. Now, mo- most often, I think people start to enjoy that class. They start to enjoy that character. And then when you get those late game pieces of gear that suddenly complement your ability to slam the ground, stop bullets, do whatever, launch this thing, that to me is 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 why the loot is so huge here the the loot system is huge because every class has this sort of this trajectory of investment of like well i'm going to continue to to play with this character i want to get more stuff to make him stronger hey we just passed over into 500 votes on the poll thank you guys it feels like the abilities make the weapons almost useless except for the two percent of the time that you don't have abilities up well, I don't necessarily agree with that because once you get some of those exotics, I, uh, I'm sorry. Once you get some of those legendaries, I think you're going to change your mind. I think you're going to change your mind. So, I, it, it, I think in the early game, that's probably true. The guns feel a little bit throwaway. Um, they feel a little bit throwaway. That, that, that I, that I think is, is, is genuinely true. That they're, they're at least that's how I felt, and I think that's because they want you to discover the abilities and fall in love with them. And then late game, when you start getting gear and legendaries that complement those abilities, it'll be clear to you that it's a it's a it's a fully orb system. It's not just like ability spam. At least that's what I hope. That's what I hope. We don't want to have the opposite problem that Division One happened. Now, if you guys watch any of my content about Division One, that was one of my main criticisms. I made similar criticisms about Vanilla Division Two. Was that we spend all this time leveling up the precinct, leveling up the abilities, getting stronger, cooler versions of those abilities. And then when I get into the late game, it's hide behind this box, use one or two of the abilities that are actually effective and helpful, and just slowly chisel everything down with weapons. So it becomes this 90-10 split where it's 90% guns, 10% abilities. Now, if you flip that around, Anthem really struggle with this too, to a certain degree. A lot of the Anthem builds that started to emerge were, you know, 80-20 split. 80% abilities, 20% weapons, or maybe 90-10. This game could suffer the same fate. Now, from what we've seen of the legendary weapons that have dropped and the mods and that you break them down and can combine mods and everything else, I don't think that's going to be true. I don't think it's going to be true. I think 
people are going to hit a point where they say, oh no, certain weapons are actually extremely uh, helpful um, for extremely helpful for certain builds that you're going for. Like, ultimately, if guns fall by the wayside, I think that'll be a criticism that people will make. And especially because it's a third-person shooter. It's a looter shooter. Like, if shooting takes a backseat, it's understandable for people like, well, my goodness, all I'm doing is ability spamming. Especially if the ability spamming creates a sense of triviality. Like, if it trivializes the content, makes everything really, really easy, right? Division's really only that way until you get to proper builds that allow you to be aggressive. Right, and that's a weird valley to fall into, Eugene. Okay? Usually a content loop expands, enhances, and gets cooler. So when you're playing as, as Kratos in God of War or Peter Parker, P- Peter Parker in Spider-Man or a game like this, you expect the content loop, <clears throat> what you do in the first hour, to expand and get cooler and better and involve all the parts. Division created this weird valley, at least for me, where I felt like, oh man, these abilities are so cool. All oh, these abilities are not helpful at all. These are the only abilities worth using. It's mostly gunplay, mostly cover usage. And then I go through this weird valley, and I come out on the other end, and, and according to players like you and others, no, 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 you can have aggressive builds, Lono. Yeah, you can spec into really aggressive builds where you can use your abilities and your tech number can be really high. And it's like, well, yeah, but what, what, what do I have to go through to get there? You know what I mean? And, and that's one of the dilemmas, I think, with that game that I always felt was difficult for them to sort of wrangle to the ground, which was, we need to make the enemies harder and more challenging. We need to make the, you know, the, the guns and the gear, <clears throat> excuse me, we need that to require you to care about power. And one of the ways to do that was to sort of put you in a situation where it just made sense to be sort of sitting in cover and using guns to slowly chisel everything down, right? Now, I've heard good things about Division 2. King Salty saying it's not so cemented in that area anymore. Again, I was saying Division 1 and Division 2, when they first launched, that was what I, that was what I got frustrated by. If they've, if they've smoothed that out a little bit, right? That valley of the unknown of like, am I going to spend 30 hours grinding for a really good set and play? And, and, and listen, to be quite honest, if that's how it works, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to pay my dues in sort of a weird non if if I'm not able to say well this is how I want to play this is the gear I want to use this is the stuff I want to use these are the abilities I want to use while grinding if I can't do that if I'm in like a holding pattern and then now I'm strong enough to play aggressive and spec in the tech that doesn't that's not appealing either getting good sets and good legendaries uh, can be done very quickly again I've not touched it recently so my commentary I, I can't I can't make uh, informative commentary about how it is now, but I referenced D1 Vanilla, Division 1 Vanilla, and Division 2 Vanilla. Why? And Anthem as well. Why? Because this game could suffer the same fate. It could suffer the same fate. Guns could take a back seat. All of a sudden, you realize there's ways to spec in new abilities. There's armor pieces. There's mods. There's ways to play the game where you don't have to fire a single dadgum bullet, you know? And that, and that for some people... Would it would potentially be a turnoff? It would potentially be a turnoff. Christopher Wright says it's very important because that keeps me and uh, many more people. Uh, Outriders loot and endgame will be the loyalty driver. If you're going to drive loyalty, you got to drive it with the loot and you got to drive it with the endgame. 
Again, it's not a live service game. So in a month, the player based numbers are going to drop in two weeks. Sharp. Sharply drop. Just watch. Enough people will play the game on multiple characters, finish the campaign, get some loot, and feel like they got their money's worth. So there'll be a big player drop-off in two weeks. And in four weeks, there'll be another player drop-off. That second month will be... The second month will essentially be the the, 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 the hardcore resilient. The loyalty that gets driven by the end game and the loot. Now, that loyalty might not get driven very far by the end game and the loot. It might not. It, a, a lot of people might decide, ah, this is thin, bro. This is super thin. I'm going to be honest with you. One of the biggest challenges right now is to create a game with loot and an end game and throw it out into the general public. Why? Because so much of the general public now plays like a YouTuber and a streamer. There's, there's reasons for that. A lot of people are staying at home, working from home. They have more free time. Uh, the player behaviors of hobbyist players and looter players have, have dramatically changed over the years. This is no longer something that you do on the weekends or for an hour in the evening. You play for long periods of time. And it's very, very difficult to provide adequate content and substantive content for players that play at that level. And so there are two potential challenges uh, for Outriders. I see these as like, these are two pits or buckets that players are going to fall into. They're going to be the players that play for two weeks and they're like, that was fun, man. Yeah, I got a couple characters leveled up. I played through the campaign a couple of times. That was cool, man. I'm moving on to something else, though. Especially once we get into April and May, there's going to be some game launches. Now, fourth quarter's looking a little bleak. A lot of, lot of delays, but summer looks like it's going to have some decent releases. So, that those people fall off the path and they fall into that bucket. They fall into that ditch of like, yeah, I had a good time, but I'm not playing anymore. Right? The other ditch, I mean, the other bucket that people are going to fall into is... I play like crazy for two weeks and my eyes are bleeding and I didn't sleep and I have everything and I beat every expedition 10 times over and I'm done. Those are two groups of people that will likely fall off in the first couple of weeks. The question, the question is, are there going to be enough players that play beyond that to provide people can fly with valuable player info and feedback to shape whatever they decide to do when they ex- if and when they expand the game later on like a year from now they 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 have seemed to indicate in their in their discord that this game is one that they want to add on to later and expand it's something that they want to do but they indicated that that would be around a year later it's not going to be something that they do immediately so I would I would wager to say that there's got to be a part of them because you saw the way they 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 track the stats from the demo right they tracked all those stats from the demo and I think that's going to be a huge huge factor uh, in shaping the future content of this game. Um, they want they want they want that to be uh, they want that to be something that is. A huge, huge driver uh, for future for future content. Um, you know, for future content. Um, because if 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 you're if you're going to be playing this game 
that's that's a huge element and a huge part of 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 what's going to keep you playing and what's going to keep you going um my chrome just crashed i was trying to customize uh my home page uh i'm gonna close the program my chrome just completely utterly crashed hopefully it's not my pc we've had issues with this pc before while i'm streaming um i was trying to customize something in my youtube dashboard and it just it absolutely crashed on me it, it it's got my shorts playlist now uh it's got it like up where i don't want it and we're gonna we're gonna do that yeah we're gonna move it okay we seem to be okay chrome just had a complete and utter uh conniption but we're all right <laughs> we're all right hopefully hopefully we're all right <laughs> um so the 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 longevity factor i think is going to be a bit of a big deal here um it's going to be a bit of a big deal it's going to it's really going to matter i think to a lot of people how long you know can they play how long can they go before they sort of hit that wall of you know i'm done i'm i've run out of stuff to do uh not only that not only that i think there's going to be a huge huge element of there's going to be a huge element of was the end game even satisfying does that make sense and this is where the hardcore players can be their own worst enemy as well as potentially potentially bad for you know future content deliverable uh, you know or DLCs or whatever they're going to call them right there is a there's this unquantifiable thing where when you play through an end game, if you do it too fast, if you go too quickly, if you uh, if you if you blitz content, you're you're always going to run that risk of well that wasn't even very fun. It, it took me it took me no time at all to beat that, so I, I don't I don't even care to go back. And like we can be our own worst enemy. We can play content in such an unnatural way. In such a in such a bizarre in such a bizarre way that we end up sort of cannibalizing the content and not just we, we we play it too fast but we play it so fast that we don't even really enjoy it it's like eating too fast right you get you get so hungry you get so hungry that you eat you eat your dinner you eat whatever you eat it so so quickly that you end up saying to yourself I, I don't even I don't even I, that was that now my stomach's upset or I, I don't even know what that tasted like right it can be a gourmet meal and if you inhale it it doesn't matter so even if this game is good and it's got good stuff in it and a satisfying end game and it's got thoughtful design choices if people consume it too quickly and they and they overplay and they and they and they burn themselves out they're gonna look back on it and say yeah that game kind of sucked I didn't really like it you know by the way, if you guys are enjoying the content, we need about 50 more likes to roll the likes over. And if you ha- haven't hit subscribe and the bell button yet, please do that. I've got really good info for you about the gear system, and we're going to be breaking that down in a moment. I'm reading through poll responses right now. If you want to be a part of the poll and the poll responses, be sure uh, that you're here early in the mornings, and that's why hitting subscribe and the bell button is so important. TSMI says, The gear system will be what keeps me playing from being just another third-person shooter and being one and done. Same. Uh, one Outriders campaign um, won't be enough. 
and 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 this is where it's it's odd to me that people play a game like this like it's just sort of a single player game. I don't know if you have friends like this. I've interacted with 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 gamers like this. I've interacted with gamers that are like I just want to play through the campaign. That's all I really want to do. They play through the campaign and then they're good to go. That's all they needed. That's all they wanted. They basically treat it like a single player game. They tr- they, they treat it like a one-off uh they treat it like a one-off title essentially. Like that's it. I'm done. I I put the game down. I really really liked it. I I enjoyed campaign i enjoyed how it felt i enjoyed the story elements the narrative blah 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 and they put it down and you're like did you try any other characters no did you go free in the loot no did you do any expeditions no and this to me is always i think one of the more interesting interesting developments in games like this it's like they create a game that appeals to looters and yet there are people who literally will only play that that part of the game. It's it's always bizarre to me. It's like it would be like playing a a single player game or a co-op game or whatever and being like, "Well, where's the loot? Where's the grind? Where's the live service?" You know, I'm I'm willing I'm willing to to I'm willing to pay a subscription fee right now and they don't have it. What's going on? This is always interesting to me because it's approaching a loot based game and only playing it for the campaign only playing it for that th- those narrative elements that that again I, I just I always look at that with a kind of like a what like I am never going to tell people how to play a game but it always strikes me as strange that 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 is how people approach these games it strikes me as strange again i don't care if that's how they want to play the game i'm not going to tell them how they should like oh yeah you shouldn't do that you should play it this way you should care about this you should care about that you should try and go and get loot you should play for longer periods of time you should prioritize the things that i prioritize i'm never going to take that angle of thought or even like criticism of their position that's never that's never been something that that I've I've taken that line of thinking. I just get kind of confused by it. I'm just like, man, it, it's so odd to me. Did you not watch the trailers? Did you not watch all their info blasts? You know, did did you did you not watch their post campaign video? You know, it's just weird to me. This was something that happened all the time with expansions in uh, in Destiny. People would be like, I the story sucked, and it'd be like a weekend. They're like, yeah, I'm done. Like. Wait, I don't understand. Did you not do any of the other stuff? Did you not do this? Did you not do that? Did you not... Blah, blah, blah? No, I, I just played through the campaign. Yeah, it was just weird, man. Super weird. Not judging. Not judging. It's difficult for me to understand it. It's just difficult for me to understand it. I like to let games exist as they've been designed. Does that make sense? I just like to let them exist as they've been designed, and I think I, I think I enjoy them a whole lot more. And here's what I do with games. You want to know one of the things I've done with games over the years that has made gaming a lot more enjoyable for me? I put them down very quickly if I can tell this game was not designed for me. It's like when you go shoe shopping. You put on a pair of shoes, and you've done this. We've all done this. They look dope. They look so good. And you try them on, and they're uncomfortable. They're not made for your foot shape. They pinch. There's something wrong. 
and you've done one of two things historically you convince yourself to get them anyway and then you get a blister or a callus or you don't like them you don't wear them they end up either getting returned or sitting in the closet or if you're like me and you you know what you want as soon as i put a pair of shoes on that are my size and I, and I I do the walk, you do the walk, I do the walk, you walk down, you walk back, and you're like, okay, I know immediately if these shoes are going to work for me, both from style, color, appearance, but also how they fit on my foot. And more and more with games, I treat them like I'm shoe shopping. I'm not going to break this game to my will. I'm not going to make this game something else. I'm not going to, like a pair of shoes, I'm not going to break this game in, and now this is a game that I like. No, I'm like, ah, this isn't for me. Blasphemous is a great example. You know, it, it was a game. Uh, what was the one that we played that was like Dark Souls, but it was a side scroller? I forget the name of it now. Salt and Sanctuary. Salt and Sanctuary and Blasphemous. Super satisfying combat, really dope graphics, hated the game design. It was a pair of shoes that were going to pinch and hurt and be unenjoyable for me. It was going to give me a blister and a callus, and I was going to get annoyed. I wasn't going to get those games to bend to my will. It it wasn't it, it wasn't going to happen. You strike me as a Skechers person? No, it's for me it's either Converse or Nike's. Right? There are elements to those games where I'm like, "Nah, dude, no." And I put them down. Why? It's better to do that than to do it 5 hours later when I've wasted time, I'm now more frustrated. I I knew what was going to happen. I knew I was going to get annoyed. I knew I wasn't going to like it. It's a game that's not built for me. It's a pair of shoes that's not built for my feet. Right? Not built for my feet. And that's what I've done over the years. So I let a game be its own thing. I let it I let it be its own thing. Same, I did the same thing with Dead Cells. I did the same thing with those rogue games I checked out for you guys. Hades and Curse of the Dead Gods. You guys get some gameplay. You get to see what the systems are like. You get to make a decision as an informed consumer. And I put the game down. Whoop. Nope. Not for me. <clears throat> I just finished the Ginger Prime video. It's pretty much just kind of a recap. But he does go into some advice for up-and-coming content creators when dealing with similar situations. Good vid. I would say that's a risk for him that I'm, I'm kind of impressed that he took. There is not a single person in the Destiny community that has said my name or will say my name or will speak on what has happened. They're terrified. They're terrified. Banning me from the game was a loud and clear message. It was, don't you dare side with this guy. I saw somebody respond to a tweet last night and they said, man, I believed all these women and now I'm seeing all this evidence come out and he's like, I don't know what to do. He felt trapped as a, as just a, 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 a Johnny Q public Twitter user, couple hundred followers maybe, was just like, I don't know what to do. What do you think content creators feel that have built their entire brand around Destiny? So, if you guys want to check out his video, it's guy by a guy named Ginger Prime. Um, they do, they have a thing called work to game. I was supposed to be on their podcast a long time ago and I was super busy and I never worked it out. And he stopped by here the other day and even sent me an email. It was really nice. So, and upper echelon put a new video out yesterday as well because of the second false copyright claim.
Silver Subaru responded to the polls here. It says, it's fun to see the combinations that people come up with to boost their powers and abilities. Uh, Outrider, Outriders crafting looks dope. I think that's one of the things that unfortunately, this is where, um, this is where the crafting and the YouTuber world and the Reddit world are potentially gonna really be bad for this game. <laughs> They're gonna be really bad for this game. And let me explain to you what I mean. In in 24 to 48 hours, there will be videos that are like, this combination is broken. This is insane. Get this now. Do this now. Blech. Like, click! Oh, what is it? What's the amazing combination? That'll run the gamut for a week or two. May result in nerfs or buffs. We don't know what People Can Fly's philosophy is here, okay? But the Reddit min-maxers and the YouTubers could very likely take this big fat stack of legendaries and build options for late game and go like this. This is all that matters. Right here. This is it. The rest of this stuff's crap. Right? The rest of this stuff's crap. It's not even worth chasing. This right here. This is the meat. This is the good stuff. This is the prime rib. That, you know, that's 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 likely uh to be to be the result here. Be- because honestly, <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of unavoidable. I, I don't know if it's avoidable. Like, I don't know if if you can take a game like this and and not have that be the result. You know what I mean? Th- that that more than that more than likely, I think would be would be would be something that that is going to be a natural result of a game like this. It's unavoidable. There will be guns that are purely flashy and showy and not that strong. There will be legendaries that are cool, neat, or whatever, but not that amazing. You know? You don't like prime rib? Okay, it's the ribeye, alright? It's the bone-in ribeye. What do they call the really good ones with the big bone? What to- Are they what, the tomahawk ribeyes? That's what it is. It's the meat. It's the goods. You know? When I go to the butcher... They got all those pieces of meat I walked past. No, 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 no. Ribeye. Right? And that can happen in loot systems like this. It's like, pst, no, pst, no. Everything gets marked with like a And then all that's left is, yeah, these three or four guns are the beasts. These are the cream of the crop. These are the ones you want. Everything else sucks. Right? It happens all the time. It's unavoidable. I don't necessarily think you can create a loot system without a loot pyramid that emerges. You know? I, 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 I think, I think, I think you can actually uh, count on that being a thing. Right? You can't, you can't, you know what I'm saying? It's not possible. Yo, what's good, Elysium? Saw you put out an olive branch after the second UE video takedown in case someone or people uh, have been trapped and forced in the whole situation. Bid respect on providing that option. Thanks, Elysium. I think you sent me a DM. I remember you. I remember you. You're... Are you Aussie? I can't remember. I played with you. You streamed. I think you have blonde hair. I'm trying to remember. I want to say you're Aussie, but I might be wrong. 
Uh, no, not copyrighted, Jay Golden. Yeah, she claimed her name's trademarked. <laughs> uh, Wolfie V3 says, hopefully it'll keep it fresh and interesting. Maybe this other company could take a lesson. LOL. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, ribeye too fatty. You're too fatty. I'm just kidding. Let's talk about my ribeye that way. Did you type that? Oh my gosh, he typed this. He meant it. it, it I blocked it from me reading it because it's so awful. New York Strip is objectively better than a ribeye? Homie. Homie. I, I, no. No. Why did you type that? I'm recording a segment right now. I don't have time for this. New York Strip is objectively better than a ribeye. You typed that out. And then you hit the enter key. People can see what you wrote. Are you kidding me? This is what I need right now. I need I need Gordon Ramsay to put pieces of bread on either side of your head, dude. I need to. The New York strip does have more flavor than you don't know how to prepare and and cook a ribeye if you think that. No. <laughs> no. No! Uh, Elysium says, I did, yeah, I've been hanging. I'm from the UK. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I knew you had an accent. Just couldn't remember from where. That is unbelievable. I'm not getting that sidetrack, chat. I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on, chat. <laughs> By the way, if you're new, I am reading through responses to a poll that we had about how important is the gear system to you. So if you want to use the poll command, I'm going to be breaking down the gear system info for you in just a moment. So stick around for that. It's all from some Reddit posts. A couple of developers wrote lengthy comments about how certain systems are going to work, and I've got that info for you. Okay? So be sure to smash the like button. We're only 25 likes away from 800, and don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell button. SNTR Presents is where you are right now. It's a podcast. Monday through Friday, it's safe for work. And we have a good time. A lot of people put me on in the background like a radio show. Murph Dog responded to the poll and said, I just want to play a really good looter shooter and Outriders is on track to satisfy that itch because Destiny is just not doing for me anymore. Outriders will have a similar uh, burnout period though. You got to remember, all right? You got to remember, there's still going to be a burnout period here. You know, there is. A1 makes everything better. Yeah, if you're garbage at preparing a steak, like, that's why it's called A1. They wanted to make sure it was, like, first in line for the people that are like, what do I need to fix this disaster that I've prepared? Ah, A1. Oh, yeah, it's first. It's first. It's got to be the best. You just grab it. You just grab it and douse your, your boot leather garbage steak that you've prepared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now A1 on a burger we can have a conversation about that A1 on a steak is a mistake it, A1 on a steak means you've made a mistake you can that, that you can quote me on that that is a great that is a great axiom motto rhyme lyr, lyric rhythmic lyr, lyramic I don't know what I'm saying A1 on a steak means you've made a mistake okay 
You come to my house, I'll do a reverse here ribeye, and you'll never want A1 on it, ever. You will you will understand. You will see the light. SP says, for me, the loot system is right up there with the gameplay as the most important thing in the game. Agreed. I agree with that. Uh, Mike Faz, the the ignorant gentleman from chat talking about New York Strip being better than a ribeye. Uh, much like Diablo, the gear system is what creates the chaste. Always searching for the next upgrade. Uh, Outriders gear will hopefully do that. Uh, will hopefully do that. I'm, as we said just a little bit ago, I'm always concerned. I'm always concerned uh, about that. Always. In most circles, putting A1 on a prepared piece of meat is taken as an insult. Yeah, but a burger is different, right? You're putting condiments on it. Lettuce, tomato, onion, ketchup, you know, mustard. It's a different type of it's a different type of meat. Will you, will you be taking the burger off the grill and just eating it with your hand like an animal? Like, no, you're, you're putting it. It's a you're making a sandwich, basically. Um, pretty sure Lono just invited everyone to his house for steak. <laughs> uh... <laughs> What if you marinate the steak in A1? I don't know. I have no idea. I've never tried that. that I, do a, I do a whole reverse sear method. That sounds like a terrible idea. Um, I'm not answering your question, Teddy. Uh, Ten Hayes responded to the poll. The gunplay is pretty weak, especially compared to Destiny 2, so the game really needs interesting and in-depth modding building to keep me and probably a lot of other people interesting. Um, Outriders, let's see here. Outriders legendary weapons look to bring POW and not precision. Um, that's how I would, that's how I would take it. That's how I would take it. The, the legendary weapons in Outriders look to bring the POW. They're not necessarily looking to bring, like, the precision that you feel in a game like Destiny. That really isn't their goal. Uh, their, their goal and their aim uh, is, is, is very, very different. Because the legendary weapons that I've seen uh, and I've interacted with, to me, that's what they're looking to do. Like, I was shooting people with the shotgun, and then it was, like, putting them up into the air. It was like, what in the frick is this? Like, that is, I think that's a huge, huge factor here. That the guns themselves are going to be expressions of power. Uh, expressions of power. So, not necessarily, like, a precision, you know, hitting them headshots. Like, I don't think so. Now, now, High damage weapons uh, for the Technomancer is more than likely uh, going to be the the play, you know, for a lot of people. More than likely, um, because of how the healing works and doing really, really high damage. So, but you, but again, I don't think you're going to be in this world of like the shooting and the precision and the feel of a weapon like I don't feel like a lot of that's going to fall into the same uh, into the same camp so um it's a, it's, it's a different approach to it's a different approach anyways to combat if you think about it the way the enemies move the way that you engage in the combat um all of that I think is uh is 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 100% going to weigh in on the weapons that you use 
it's it's gonna be I think it's just more about like managing the crowd managing the crowd control managing the enemies all of that I think is is gonna play a, a huge huge role uh, long term in how the game and how the game structures its incentivization you're not necessarily chasing some amazing hand cannon or sniper or shotgun you're chasing power it's very very different so I, I see that I see that being a a distinct difference so all right here's what we're gonna do I am gonna be combing over the gear system info that you guys have been so patiently uh, waiting for I'm gonna be combing over that all right if you're listening to this recording it'll go right into the next recording so as always if you want to catch these live go to sntrlive.com Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about the Outriders gear system info. You're going to want to know this stuff before you dive in to the game. If you're listening to this on any of the other locations, uh, you can always catch me live at sntrlive.com. If you want to be part of the discussions, the polls that we take, all that back and forth, you can definitely want to make sure and come over here and subscribe at sntrlive.com. If you prefer the shorter videos, you can check those out at sntrvideos.com. So, Outriders gear system info. Now, some of this was gleaned from videos that they made. Okay, they made videos about post-campaign, the crafting, and, and everything else. There's also a very large section at the end of this video that is basically a huge comment from Reddit from a developer. It's just this big, huge paragraph, and we're going to comb through it, read through it, and we're going to discuss it. I think this stuff is very important if you're interested in this game. I know you're going to be combing over YouTube and watching videos about best gun this, best gear that, all right? But I think that early experience in the game and understanding the systems that are within it is very, very important for you to enjoy a game like this. I've not touched it yet, and information like this is always helpful. The Outriders gear system is something that players have been dying to dive into with respect to both crafting, modding, and more. Recently, people can fly put a nice graph on Reddit. I think it was actually a user that did this, but it makes it clear how the world tiers, the challenge tiers, how they're going to work in relation to each other, how there's overlap with the level of the gear that you find. The Outriders Endgame has been touted as a fully fleshed out and completely separate system from the main campaign. Different areas, missions, locations, etc. Even though the game will not have a live service feature or live service features, it is still seeming that they have been very, very thoughtful and thorough without the post-campaign experience and how it's going to work. So, we need to dive into this because there's a lot here. First, how will the gear level work? Max item level at world tier 15 is 42. So you can see that represented in the graph below. I couldn't make it any bigger. I am sorry for that, okay? So you can see the graph. That first green to red is world tier 15, okay? And it lines up with 42. So your item level can drop up to 42 just replaying the story world tiers. Now, this to me was different than what I expected. I thought it was going to be a sharp handoff from 30. Like, you're going to hit 30, and then if you want to go beyond 30, you're going to need to go into the expeditions and the challenge tiers there. That's not the case. You could conceivably get your character all the way up to an item level score of 42 purely through world tiers in the stories, the campaigns, the side quests, and the like. You never have to touch a single expedition, and you can hit item level 42. Now, if you want to go up to 50, you need to start going into the challenge tiers 
in the expeditions. So 43 to 50 is going to start dropping in the expedition tiers of 9 and above. So you need to go all the way up to challenge tier 9 and up if you want to start to get stuff to drop between 43 and 50. Now the important thing to note here is you can immediately jump into expedition challenge tier 1 if you start wanting to, if you want to start earning stuff beyond level 30. You can completely avoid that, however, by just going up to World Tier 4. Keep in mind, we were playing this game in the demo, and we were getting into World Tier 4 and 5, alright? So, all the way up to 15, World Tier, never touch an expedition, you can get up to gear score, item score of 42. Now, you must play at least Challenge Tier 9 to progress your item level beyond Story World tiers and that's what we just saw on the on here if you want to go beyond 42 you got to at least go into challenge tier 9 so the reason they're saying that is you can't grind world tier all the way to 42 and then head over to expedition challenges and be like well now it's time for me to start getting to level 50 no you're gonna have to work your way up to expedition challenge 9 in order to do that now it won't be hard you'll probably be a little over leveled based on what we're seeing here expedition challenges 1 through 7 will probably be a breeze for you if you're maxed all the way out at 42 now opposed to world tiers the item levels in the challenge tiers don't increase linear but in patterns because of the feedback from the comments in regards to the max item level we assume the pattern to break at the upper challenge tiers so it's going to be a little bit different when you get up to those higher levels so that is how gear level is going to work across the tier systems and i hope that's helpful to your experience next how will multiplayer scaling work This is obviously important for those of you that remember early game division one vanilla playing with your buddies was in it was terrible. It was awful. It made everything really, really hard. It was frustrating. Other games have moved toward being more appropriate scaling and this is how it's going to work. After the prologue, there is no restriction on playing with friends regardless of level and world tier difference. Matchmaker is built Uh, to match players with relatively similar power but with join function there is no limit on other uh, other than like technical ones so if you're matchmaking they're trying to find players that are similar to your power so if some guy is scooping down into a lower world tier he might get matched to you because your your power is similar now it says here there's no restriction with respect to world tier of power but if you're hitting world tier 7 more than likely it's going to put you with other people at the same spot as well as power world state is based on host this includes world tiers and final enemy levels so if you join me you're coming into my world tier when you play on a lower tier your gear remains legal it's the highest unlocked gear level what counts there is no gear scaling regardless of level difference loot and rewards are based on level of killed enemies so if you're trying to go down and slum it and have an easy time and you've made it to world tier 10 and if you scroll back up here right let's say you made it to world tier 10 and you're carrying a bunch of 37 stuff and you go down to like world tier 6 you're not going to get stuff at 37 and above you're going to get stuff according to the killed enemies at that world tier so going down to slum it might help your teammates if that's where they are but it's not going to be dropping stuff for you at your level in essence that means you can go to someone on a much lower level in world tier or lower than your own world tier and be absolutely godlike but it's not very effective in terms of advancing your own character this is essentially you 
you know, you're, you'd be stalling out essentially, and that's fine. That's fine. It makes sense because it'd be so much easier for you to grind loot at those lower levels. Killing the enemies and the bosses will be significantly more expeditious and quick because you're so incredibly strong. Now, lastly, this is the big section. How will armor stats work? And there's a whole lot of text here, okay? First is the armor rating. The big number you see on all armor. It's based on the item level and item rarity. It's pretty simple. For each rarity and level, there is a minimum and maximum value. And when an item is created, you get the value somewhere in between. So it's between the item level itself and the item rarity. That's what that number represents. That big number that you see on the armor. Now, as far as the attributes go, they're a bit more fun. An item can have up to three attributes, but the exact number is based on rarity and level of an item. For example, a common item never has attributes. Low level common and rare have one attribute, but they can have more at the higher levels. That's those little skills you were seeing, those little attributes on the blue stuff that you were getting in the demo. The top attribute you'll see on the list is what we call primary attribute, and it will always be either firepower bonus, anomaly power bonus, or health, chosen randomly on the item's creation. Um... Below the primary attribute, you get up to two secondary attributes randomly chosen from the list when the item is created. There's just a few of them, but enough to have some variations in the items. So there is some RNG applied here when these armor pieces are dropping, and that's with respect just to these attributes, okay? The base value of each attribute is based on the item level. There is no rolling here. However, Attributes on items have levels of their own, up to 6. So an item at level 10 can give 100 HP if attributes at level 1, but it will give 110 at level 2 and so on. So if you get an attribute that's increasing your health or whatever, it's going to go up in level according to the actual item level itself. So the, the, the further you get in the game, the attributes are more are, are better, they're stronger. The level of an attribute is rolled on the item's creation. At this time, okay, so this is information that that, that could change. At this time, you cannot change attributes on an item. So if you want to have a perfect combination, you have to find the perfect item, but you can level them up in crafting. When you scrap an item, you get shards for one of its attributes, which it's indicated by a special icon. Then you can use those shards to level up the same attribute on the different item. However, when you level up an item, you'll lose some levels on the attributes. The values remain more or less the same, but because there is a new possible maximum value to achieve, the whole thing is shifting. This makes attribute leveling most mostly endgame activity, but in my experience, it can be helpful in some sections of the mid-game where you could use a bit of extra health, but you don't want to respec your damage-focused tree. Additionally, if you invest in upgrading an attribute, it will also get an icon so you can recover some shards when scrapping that item. Legendary items are an exception to some of these rules because the mods and the attributes are pre-made by the designers. So that's extensive. You might have to rewatch what I just said or try to read over it to understand exactly how that's going to work as far as leveling the attributes and the way it all kind of specs out. But in light of everything that I saw here, I thought this is a video that people are going to want to consume and information that they're going to want to have in their hands at launch date with respect to mainly, especially at the beginning of the video, the way these world tiers and challenge tiers overlap wherever you are on the spectrum of player 
this means that you do not have to go and play challenge tiers right away but also it means you don't have to waste a bunch of time at the upper echelon of the world tiers either whatever type of player you are you can take a very very different approach to the trajectory of power fantasy and leveling up your gear and getting better stuff as always if you're listening to this in the other locations we'd love to see you head on over to sntrlive.com